Welcome to the Discovering Our Scars podcast, where we have honest conversations about things that make us different. I'm Steph. And I'm Beth. And we have a very special episode today. Our last episode was our friend Lori Kay, who came to talk about step studies and recovery programs and, and help us help educate us on uh, why that is valuable. And we got to share some of our insights that we had gained from when from our time with her and our step study and, and our recovery journeys. And so we have a really special episode for you today related to that. What are what are we doing today? Well, I actually shared my testimony at Celebrate Recovery a few months ago, and I recorded it. So we thought, hey, we just talked about Celebrate Recovery. Why don't we share that on the podcast? So we are going to play the recording from testimony that I gave. And part of recovery programs is um, sharing your testimony. That was something that... You don't have to do, but something I really felt like I wanted to do in the large group setting of Celebrate Recovery. So here is the recording of that, and please enjoy. Hi, I'm Stephanie, a Christ follower in recovery for childhood sexual abuse and PTSD. Hi, Stephanie. When I was 14 years old, my parents couldn't ignore what was right in front of them. They saw me pull away from activities I liked. They saw me unable to find joy anymore and they saw me struggling just to live. My dad, a psychologist who specializes in clinical testing, gave me a test for depression, and I scored very high, but it's not a test you want an A on. My parents attempted to get me help, but I wasn't ready, so I decided to work harder at putting on a happy face, and I was pretty darn good at it. At least I was until I started college four years later. When I started community college, with all the changes it brought, I couldn't hide or deny the overwhelming emotions I felt anymore. I was scared of them. I didn't understand why I felt so much and why I hurt all over. Every inch of my body hurt, and I didn't know why. Since I couldn't see the hurt, I couldn't put a bandage on it. My life changed one particular day on my way to college internship. The emotional pain was just too much for me. I had to let it out. I had to see it. So my brain told me I could see it with a cut. I took a dull blade to my left arm and I felt a sensation that helped me pinpoint the pain. And for the next two years, self-injury became ritual for me when I was sad, angry, happy, mad, excited, etc. All emotions were too much for me and self-injury became my coping of choice. No one knew about this. At the time, I believed this was not for anyone else to know but me. Just to be clear, I didn't use self-injury for attention, and it was definitely not about ending my life. Actually, it was the only way for me to have a life. It allowed me to release my internal pain and play the part of happy human in public. But I still had no idea why I had this huge, unexplainable pain inside me. In addition to my everyday, overwhelming emotions, fear also started to build inside. I was about to leave home for the first time to finish college in Orlando. I was about to move from everything I'd ever known, and I had a secret life I was barely holding on to. I knew I had to tell my mom what was going on. We were close, but this was the hardest thing I had to share. Looking back, I was taking step one of the 12 steps. I admitted I was powerless over my addictions and compulsive behaviors, and that my life had become unmanageable. My mom responded wonderfully. I got put on depression medication and started seeing a therapist. I had six sessions with my psychologist before I left for Orlando. This was the start of my recovery 13 years ago. 
At the time, I thought self-injury was my problem. It wasn't until years later that I realized self-injury, or now known as non-suicidal self-injury in SSI, was just a coping method, and it wasn't what I really needed help with. I arrived at university and met my three randomly assigned roommates. We got along for the most part, except for one. My fourth roommate was disrespectful, and no amount of sit-down conversations changed that. One day, she again had eaten my perfectly portioned for the week food, and I lost it. I couldn't take feeling unsafe and having no control in my home anymore. So I went back to my coping method, and I cut my left forearm with scissors. But this time was different. This time, I was so mad at my roommate that I wanted to hit someone or something. But I didn't hit anything. I just took that full anger and rage out of my arm. All I saw was red. And long story short, I was locked in a mental hospital for very, four very long days. After that traumatic experience, I was even more fearful. But my fear was not only for the unexplainable emotions I had, which were all still there, just more tense now, but now I had the fear of being sent back to the mental hospital. The hospital changed me. I saw things, heard things, and was subjected to things I had never experienced before and never want to experience again. The next five years of my life spiraled out of control. I was still using in SSI to cope, but never shared it, and, sh and made sure to keep my arms covered up at work. All my energy went to pushing down my emotions and flashbacks of the mental hospital. I loved my full-time job working for, working for Disney and Apple in Orlando, but one day I realized I couldn't keep up the show. I turned to a Bible verse that has always spoken to me. I tell you the truth, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Matthew 17, 20. I desired to have mustard seed faith my whole life. After five years of living in the darkness, I found a tiny mustard seed. I had faith that all would work according to God's plan if I just followed him. I told my Apple Store leader one day that I needed to, to take a month off to deal with my health. And he told me I could have the time off and my job would be waiting for me. And I don't know how that would go down at your job, but that was a true God moment for me. I headed home to Tallahassee and had many sessions with my therapist. In the first session, she diagnosed me with post-traumatic stress disorder from the mental hospital. It explained so much. I lived in constant fear of being sent back and having my rights, dignity, and humanity stripped away. I had debilitating flashbacks of the horrors I endured those four days. The therapy sessions helped, and the time away helped. I felt like I could breathe for the first time in five years. But there are but there was one thing I never fully addressed. It was brought up in sessions, but never fully explored. I still coped using NSSI. The desire and ritual was still a part of my life. And now, I was mad about it. I was mad that I had been in recovery for six years, and still, I was using NSSI to deal with my emotions. This time, instead of turning to therapy and medication, I turned to God. But I didn't ask him nicely for help. I yelled at him. I yelled at him with anger, frustration, sadness, and true desire to want to know why. I was yelling full of emotions, 
and not turning to NSSI in that moment. I was turning to God. I was stripped down. All that was left was a longing for the real truth, no longer afraid of what it might be. And with mustard seed faith, God showed me my truth. I was sexually abused at two years old, and this trauma resulted in the huge, unexplainable emotions trapped inside of me, only to be temporarily released within SSI. Being sexually abused might seem like a crippling revelation to some, but to me, I found freedom. I had so many parts of my life that were tied to this that I could now see the connections. I decided to not what one sick man did to me define me anymore. I became stronger after this. I became more complete. And after returning to Orlando, I struggled far less with NSSI. After five years of working in Orlando, I felt a pull back to Tallahassee. My second nephew had just been born, and I was four hours away. I was a part of my nephew's lives, and I wanted to be, so I quit my job at Apple. And that led me to a job right here at Kalarn as the Director of Technology Ministries. I grew up in this church, and while in high school, I produced many videos for Sunday services. The one that sticks out in my head the most was the one I made about Celebrate Recovery when the program first started. I recorded three individuals sharing their many testimonies. It stuck with me because it was the first time I heard Christians be real, honest, and vulnerable in church. I wanted to be a part of the program, but back in high school, with all my hidden struggles, I wasn't ready. When I came back to Tallahassee in 2013, I was ready for Christ-centered recovery. I quickly joined a step study that Lori led just for foreign staff ladies. We were a small but dedicated group, and we all completed our steps. Through the study, more revelations came to light from my childhood. I worked on forgiving my abusers with my sponsor, but was not able to fully do that during the step study. After my first step study, I went on to co-lead a second. It was just as hard as the first, but this time I had a miracle moment. It sounds so simple when I say it out loud, but what I realized and fully understood in the end is recovery is never over. I'll never be fixed and have my life all sorted out because new stuff will come up that I need to work through, but that's okay because now I have a large list of healthy coping tools to get me through. I mentioned I was not able to fully forgive my abusers during my step study. Well, at the time, I thought I had, but it was not until about a year ago that I revisited all the childhood pain and realized my abusers still had a hold on me. Two years ago, a few years after my step study, I decided I was ready to write a book and memoir of where life has taken me. As I wrote my story and as I read what I wrote, I experienced real and raw emotions over and over again. During that process, the childhood abuse took control of me again. I was angry, hurt, and lost. I had to put the book away, focus on my emotions, and with the support of my sponsor and sessions with my psychologist, I was finally <coughs> able to forgive my abusers. I will never forget the horror that happened. And I still have remaining physical issues, but the, abuser, but the abusers have no longer have power over me. A verse that helped me in this process, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
Luke 23:34. After that, I was able to get back to writing my memoir, discovering my scars, and was able to finish it. Another great step I took occurred in November of 2018. I adopted my first dog, a greyhound named Mac. Yes, I named her after a computer. <laughs> and she has made a huge positive change in my mental state. I spend way less time stuck in my head overthinking everything. Now I have her needs to think about. What would make Mac happy right now? What does Mac need? And those things are usually exactly what I need to. What I, need to. I struggle far less with depression having her in my life. And with the guidance of my doctors, I'm now off all medication. Along with Mac being a healthy coping tool in my life, I have a few more I turn to when I'm depressed or just in a crummy mood. I write, I talk to my sponsor or friend, I take a walk with Mac, of course, not a computer, my dog. <laughs> I build a Lego set, I create art, or I complete a small house project that I know I can get done. I've also started doing something recently that is super intimidating, but has helped me on my road of recovery. I started hosting a podcast. And if you've ever listened to a podcast, if you've never listened to a podcast, it's basically an online radio show. You can listen to it on your phone, you just play anytime you want. And my co-host and I, we have honest conversations about things that make us different. And we don't hold anything back. In fact, our second episode is about my trip to the mental hospital. Sharing my true self with the world is scary, but even more, it's freeing. With every episode, I feel lighter, as if I can truly exhale. A few weeks ago, my sponsor read uh, over this testimony right here, and she, she also is the one that told me to put on my iPad. Uh, she read over my testimony, and she said, it's good, but the only thing I think you could add to it is what would you say to a CR newcomer? I pushed back a little and I said, but I know from CR we're not supposed to tell people what to do. And she went on to explain that this is different. So to someone new to CR, new to recovery, all of that, I want you to know, you are worth it. You are worth spending time on. You are worth getting to know all the parts of, and you are worth healing. They say on an airplane, in case of an emergency, put on your own oxygen mask before assisting others. Well, think of CR as your oxygen mask. My friend and Step City leader, Lori, encouraged me to share my testimony at CR. And of course, my sponsor's been encouraging for many years. I reread Step 12. Having had a spiritual experience as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to others and practice these principles in all our, all our affairs. I realized it was time for me to share. As I said, I don't think of myself as fixed and have all the answers now, but I do look at life as ever evolving, and I now have a healthy I now have healthy tools to deal with any hurts, habits, or hang-ups that might arise. I continue to live one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, trusting that He will make all things right if I surrender to His will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever and the next. Thanks for letting me share.